With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 93 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host Chad Didemenesis. I'm your other co-host Bill Shockey. Chad, we're powering our way to the end here. Yeah, it's um, you know, usually we don't record during games, but I think this is kind of a good game to record during because the Leafs are just kicking the Sabres' heads in. And also, I think it kind of fits pretty well because we're going to be talking about coaches here, and this is not one of those games where after it, you're like, I think the coach should get fired for that one. So this is like game, like, what, five of that now we're on keeping <laughs> track of? I think it's got to be more than that at this point. Not only will Bill and I be here, but as I, as I mentioned on Twitter, we are also going to be joined this week by our the third member of the crew here, the tie-breaking vote. We've had him on a few times here, Anthony Siandra. Anthony, how are you enjoying your evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Chad. Uh, I kind of didn't expect this much of an ass kicking in terms of you know <laughs> shots for and shots against, but I, I didn't expect anything great. So um, about about as well as an evening for a Sabres fan can be going at this point. I mean that that's well, this is this is commonplace here right now, right? And this is this is what it is kind of deal. Yeah, for sure. So what we're gonna do? Uh, it's bracket season. Uh, this is March NCA tournament. Uh, UB, both UB men's and women's are in the tournament this weekend. Starting this weekend, so it'll be exciting. Uh, so of course, like everybody else doing brackets, we're gonna do brackets too. But we have a fun bracket we're gonna go through. And like I said, it kind of fits here with how bad this game is going. Uh, Sabres replacement coach bracket. So we have four regions: AHL region, NHL region, NHL assistant region. In the world region, so we're going to go through here. There's four 
Um, there is four potential candidates in each category. Uh, we're going to go through here, talk a little bit about them, talk about ones we like. And at the end of this podcast here, we're going to come out with who the next coach of the Buffalo Sabres will be. No, I'm just kidding. Just who we think it might should be, probably. So, without further ado, are you both ready to get into it? About as ready as we're going to be. Okay, fair enough. All right. So, <laughs> we will start in the AHL region. I think this I, is the easiest. I think, uh, well, it depends here. So, I think this first matchup might be easy here. Uh, so, the first yeah. matchup, the one versus four seed, we have... Sheldon Keefe and Dallas Eakins. So in the first round here, I have some blurbs written down about each guy. Uh, I'll kind of give you some quick notes I have written down. So we'll start with Sheldon Keefe. He is 38 years old. He is currently the coach of the Toronto Marlies. Uh, he is also signing an extension here shortly, but it has an NHL out clause. And with the rumors around Babcock and Dubas, maybe he's going to be the next head coach of Toronto. But we'll put that aside for now. 14-15 uh, OHL Coach of the Year for Sault Ste. Marie. 2018 Calder Cup for the Marlies, and like I said, the new contract. Now, Dallas Eakins, he's a 52-year-old. Uh, he is currently the San Diego Gulls head coach since 2015. Uh, he might be the new Ducks head coach, so that's another guy who could be out of this pretty soon here. He was the Marlies head coach in 2009. He was the Oilers head coach from 2013 to 2015 before being canned. So, Sheldon Keefe versus Dallas Eakins. I did a lot of talking here, so I'll go last. Uh, Bill, why don't we start with you here on who you think should win this matchup? Well, Jay, I think this one's uh, pretty easy, but I think I'm going to start with saying since Dallas Eden was the an ex-Edmonton Oilers head coach, I think if the team started off poorly, it's the last thing I need to hear is Edmonton East. So uh, I think this, <laughs> this one's easy. We're going uh, Sheldon Keith uh, for this first-round matchup. All right, Anthony, how about you? Is this, this one pretty easy for you too? Yeah, this this was like your Duke versus like UNC Asheville of, of, <laughs> of the conference. I mean, Keith is the obvious choice. Um, you know, in the beginning, having like you said, having so much uh, success with Salt Saint Marie, um, you know, doing well in the AHL, obviously being a favorite of Dubis. Um, I'm I'm very much of the thought that he's going to be yeah. the Maple Leafs next coach. But um, yeah, selecting between these two, Keith is the easy choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be the third guy to here to go with that. The thing about Eakins, too, I think, is one of the reasons I made him a four seed is because, honestly, I think he's going to end up in the Ducks coach anyways. So, in a way, I think Keefe should be the insofacto winner here regardless, but it's definitely a clean sweep. So, Sheldon Keefe wins the first matchup here. So, this next matchup should be a little bit more interesting. So, we have the 2-3 matchup in the AHL region. We have Chris Taylor, who we know about, the Amherst head coach. 47 years old. Uh, he knows a lot of the AHL players, knows a lot of the NHL players. The guy is going up against, though, Jay Leach, you might not know, 39-year-old, currently the Providence Bruins head coach. He was assistant to Mike Sullivan at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and he's worked with a lot of younger players who are now in the NHL uh, with the Boston Bruins. So we'll go the opposite way this time. Uh, Anthony, I will make you go first here. This is an interesting matchup. Chris Taylor to promote him, or do you want to go with the new guy out of the Boston system, Jay Leach? Yeah, you know, what's kind of interesting about Leach, um, he was, he's, it's almost like he was twice passed on already by Botterill. Um, so when Donatelli, uh, the former Wheeling head coach, uh, who is the ECHL affiliate for Pittsburgh, um, got that head coaching job with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, uh, Leach was the guy who, who was kind of passed up. He was already an, assist, an assistant in place at that point. And then, you know, 
obviously we know where Taylor came from and, and Botterill's selection of Taylor again over Leach, you know what I mean? To, to run the air. Right, right, yep. That was another viable option, right? So, so he's already been twice passed over by uh, Botterill and association, let's say, because I know Botterill wasn't the GM of the Penguins, but you know, he had some say, I'm sure. Um, so I'm going to go with Taylor just based on the fact that I, I, I think Botterill's already set a precedent that he prefers Taylor. Okay. And Bill, how about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same thing. Chris Taylor, I think if you're going to go this route, he is the uh, the easy option, but also the option of, like you said, I imagine at some point here we're eventually going to start bringing kids up uh, and letting them play in the NHL. So uh, I think if, if you have somebody that's already you know been with, been with the group, uh, the players know him, they know how, what he likes and like how he plays and how he coaches or how, how he wants to see them play, I think if you're – like you said, it's, it's go time next year. So if you're looking to make a change, but hopefully not that big of a change where you can kind of just pick up and go, uh, I think he's the easy option. Yeah, and you know, the thing about Taylor that I like too is, you know, I watch Emmerich's games. I, I think it's a style that he plays. Uh, his team's aggressive on the forecheck. And, you know, I, I think if they're going to make a coaching change, but they want to sell, they're not making a drastic move, that this is the easy promotion uh, within the organization. Now, Taylor, while he's led the Amherst basically to two playoff appearances here, they've yet to win a round. So, you know, he's had good regular seasons, but hasn't really put it together in the postseason as a coach. So maybe we'll kind of watch how that goes uh, this season. But I think here, as much as, you know, I was honestly, I was impressed with Jay Leach kind of doing some research on him. Um, I think he's going to get an opportunity eventually. I just, like you said, I, I think the Botterill thing, which I had written down too, is, is an interesting fact toy here. And yeah, I, I think Taylor. I think Taylor makes sense here. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with Taylor as the, again, sweeping winner here for all of us. So two, two easy victories out of the AHL also, region. Go he ahead. also knows that Pilot shouldn't be in the AHL. That is true. He did say that. That's a good point. That's true. Very true. So I guess we'll kind of do it this way. I guess I'm going to ask a question to both of you guys. So do you want to just go through the entire region or do you want to do the entire first round at one time? I think maybe just go to the entire region and then kind of come back. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get your final four. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So then the second round matchup here, this one's, tough. This one's going to be tough. Sheldon Keefe versus Chris Taylor. So I guess I'll go first here. It, it's hard because <laughs> in my head, I want to say, well, Sheldon Keefe should get the win here. But in the back of my head, too, I have, well, is he going to end up going to be an Leafs coach, and should I take him out of it for that? Or am I putting all my bias aside and just saying, if everything was equal, who would I pick to win? So it, it's tough for me. I know i got to pick one. Um, I was going to say, should that matter, though? It should. You're right. It does. It does play a factor in that. That's what I'm going to be fighting with here. I, I, uh, I think – here, I'm, I'm going to say I think Toronto wins a series, but their defense has been terrible lately. But – I think Toronto does win a series in the playoffs and that lets Babcock keep his job. I don't think Keith is going back to the AHL next season. So it's close for me, but I'm going to go Keith here as I think the nod over Taylor. So um, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. So Bill, I'll, I'll go to you next. Can I ask real quick, do you really think Babcock's in trouble? Is that like a known thing? Well, there is what? Or is that was, just like Toronto media? Oh, I think it's more Toronto media, but there's the whole, yeah. what does it mean? I'm sure you've seen something on the Anthony. What is it like? It's been like yeah, there's been kind of disputing between him and the GM thing. Yeah, Babcock's been kind of like 
publicly crapping on the depth he has. And he's just like complimenting other teams like, yeah, they've done a good job of finding depth. Wink, wink. Like, so it's, hmm. it's bizarre what he's saying. I mean, it's tough to really take something like that out of context. That's like right on the nose. So the Toronto media thing, yeah, it's always a factor, but it does seem like there's some kind of discord. At least there's that Matthews thing too. Don't forget. The yeah, whole right. thing with Matthews last year, we had to go to Arizona and talk to him and right. All right. I was just curious. Um, moving on. I'm going to go. Hmm, this is a tough one. Actually, you know, I don't give an answer yet because it'll make it pointless for Anthony. I just thought about this. If it's uh okay. <laughs> well, if it, if it, if it's, if it's too low, I'll just weigh in on what I would have done anyway. It doesn't really matter. Okay. So I want, I want to talk that through for a second. All right. So you can give your answer and then we'll go to Anthony and see what he says. So go ahead, Bill. Continue. Well, here I'll, I'll give Anthony the, the tie-breaking option since you said on Twitter that he would be the tie-breaking option. <laughs> okay. I'll go Chris Taylor here <laughs> just because, I, I mean, I, I think I, I like the point of we got to start these guys eventually. And if you're going to bring a guy in here, I, I'd like it to be someone that, that's been with these guys for a year. Like he knows Olafson. I think he's going to know how to use them. He knows Pilot should be up here. Uh, I think he's going to use the guys correctly, which has been the biggest complaint of Housley thus far. Um, I think a guy that's kind of been in the system, I imagine like when you're in that kind of job, you're always trying to think of what you would do if you got to that higher position, whatever job it is, I think. Um, So I I think he already has probably a pretty good idea of what he wanted to do if he got here. Um, So I think that's kind of just if it lines up with what Batra wants to do. And uh, like you guys have said already, uh, Batra's kept him around when he didn't have to. So uh, I, I think, I think I like Taylor here. All right, Anthony, leave it all to you then. Yeah, so initially I, I kind of filled this out on uh, the premise of in a vacuum, these two guys are available, right? Who do you want? So if, if I'm kind of weighing in the realism of it, I, I almost want to say it, a little bit at least factors in for me, how far does Taylor get in the playoffs this year with the Amherst? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about another first-round ass-kicking? Because, you know, that yeah, it's progress, but they were good last year too. You know what I'm saying? Like regular season being good is good, but – once you're getting there, you know what I'm saying, with the talent he has and the fact that he's a very veteran roster, I I think that kind of plays a role, right? So um, if if I think what's realistic, I do believe that Botterill would, you know, lean toward Taylor just with his familiarity with the prospects already in place, the fact that a lot of those prospects, or at least a handful, are conceivably going to be making their way up soon. Um, I think that familiarity and that continuity is important to Botterill. So uh, for that reason, I'll go with Taylor as well. Wow, he's our development, first development upset. is important. Upset to Batro. We're gonna see what the uh, what the peeps say here when they see that Chris when they see Chris Taylor. But I do want it to be clear in a, in a vacuum. If I'm choosing between right. A and B, I'm picking Keith every day. Right, what, but what you, I, I, I agree with you. It's that's the kind of the same thing I was having. Realistically, though, when you look at everything, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I think it also has to be the right job for Keith to leave Toronto's system, especially if he maybe has been told by Dubas, wink, wink, hey. You're going to be the next coach here once I get this guy out of here. But, Josh uh, McDaniel's situation. Right, right. So <laughs> I kind of wonder I kind of wonder um, how that'll, that'll go. But all right, it's interesting. So Chris Taylor comes out of the AHL region into the Final Four. So we'll come back to him here in a little bit and see who his opponent is that comes out of the NHL region. And to be honest, <laughs> I think this should go pretty smoothly. <laughs> we have Quenville, Boucher, <laughs> Elaine Vigneault, and Jacques Martin. So... We'll start with the 1-4 matchup, and I think this, this region's going to go pretty easy here. Uh, Quenville versus Boucher. We kind of know who they were. Boucher, the former coach of the Senators, no longer has a job. 
Quinville, the former coach of the Blackhawks with three cups. Uh, are we kind of all in agreement here that Quinville is the hands-on winner, 3-0? Yeah, for sure. I mean, outside of Boucher's miracle run with Ottawa, uh, his his track record is not remotely impressive. Um, in six seasons as a head coach, he's made the playoffs twice, and with Ottawa, he barely squeaked in. Like, yeah, he put together a nice run there, but – no, I mean we're talking about this, you know him going up against the second winningest coach in NHL history, three-time Cup winner. I mean it's not a contest. Yeah, Bill. Same I was going to try to come up with a, a reason, but as soon as I was on Wikipedia and saw he was the creator of the one-three-one, I kind of just moved <laughs> on. Hey, I mean if you look at it, though, if you want to see one thing about Boucher <laughs> in Tampa Bay and Ottawa, his first was it his first year in both? They went to the conference finals, so. I believe but so. After yeah. that, be prepared to like be terrible. So you know, yeah, they'll <laughs> go to the conference finals year. that one year, which is that pretty good. That's I mean, that's pretty good for the Sabers if you're thinking realistically. So I think I think he's the perfect guy if there's somebody that you want that's not available but might be available in two years. You just right. cut ties exactly. after your exactly. one good year. Exactly. <laughs> Move on. That's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Uh, all right, on to the two three matchup. This is kind of choosing the lesser of two evils. Elaine Vino and Jacques Martin. Uh, huh. I don't really like either one. But I'm going to go Martin here because I think Bottle has a connection with Pittsburgh's day, and that's the only reason why I'm going to pick Martin. So, Bill, we'll go to you next. Uh, I'm going to go Vigneault. Okay. Anthony? Chad's going to fire me after this show. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going Vigneault as well, uh, just just based on record alone. I mean, it, we're, it's pretty good. 12, 12, it is pretty good. At 12 seasons as a head coach, he, he made the playoffs 10 times. I mean, that's huge. Um, Shaq Martin is, he's old, you know, he's 66 years old. Um, he, he's, Anthony, when we were before this podcast, not to cut you off, but, uh, when we were kind of waiting for Chad to come back, when I said that guy is ancient, it was Martin. I was, was. um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he, he's, he's an older guy. I, I, you know, the NHL has changed, right? And for a guy who started his coaching career in the mid-80s, like that, that's a little concerning, and especially the fact that he hasn't been a head coach since 2011-12. I mean, his, his best years were in the beginning, and, and that just shows me a failure to adapt. Um, Vigneault is, is kind of like seen as – or heard, I guess, as a poisonous name, but his track record's really good. He's just, yeah. never, he's just yeah. never put it all together, so to speak. So, again, in a vacuum, choosing between the two, I think Vigneault is kind of your – you know, the, the guy with a better resume, at least. Okay, so we'll roll right into our regional championship here, Joel Quenville and Elaine Vino. Uh, I got to be honest, Anthony, you kind of sold me a little bit on Vino with the with the record. See, here's the thing about Quenville. I don't know if I want to throw this card out yet or wait till the next round, but uh, I'd wait till the next round. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think if you're comparing these two, I mean, Quenville has to go to the final four, right? I mean, that's just kind of the way it has to be. Am I right? Yeah, again, it's it's an unparalleled resume. I mean, you have to. I mean, he's again. We say what you want about you know his usage of younger players, whatever, etc. During his time in Chicago, the guy won three Stanley Cups. I mean, it, recently, you know, what I mean, it wasn't it wasn't forever ago. I mean, it, it, it's tough to wipe that out, and especially because Elaine Vigneault is essentially Lindy Ruff. If you compare their respective, you know, head coaching careers, their records, right, they're, yeah. they're parallel. Are you picking Quinville over Ruff every day of the week? So that's that's the shoe in. All right, so we have our first Final Four matchup set up uh, that we'll get back to here. We'll go finish the other bracket. But Chris Taylor against Joel Quinville should be an interesting matchup. So we'll, we'll get back to that quick. We'll get back to in a little bit here. But we're going to get to the other side of the bracket uh, with the NHL assistant region and the world region. Now, I think this is where it's going to get a little bit of debate here and get interesting with this side of the bracket because there's some interesting names here. So we'll start with the one 
four matchup in the NHL assistant region between Chris Knobloch and Luke Richardson. Now, these are some interesting guys for a couple of reasons. Where Knobloch is one of the guys high on my list. So he's 40 years old. He's currently the Flyers assistant. He won two Memorial Cups, one with Kootenai and one recently with Erie. Uh, he also coached McDavid, Debrinket, and Strom uh, for the Erie Otters. Uh-huh. Richardson is a guy who actually we talked about, I think Bill and I talked about uh, before Halsey was hired. Uh, yep. He is currently the Montreal Canadiens assistant. He's 49 years old. He was the head coach of the Binghamton Senators. Uh, he was on the staff, the Islander staff last year, and then he's on Montreal's staff this year. But he got passed up by Ottawa for D. Boucher, and now he's in the NHL as a Habs assistant. So for me, uh, you know, I, I like Knobloch a lot. I like his uh, ability to develop younger players like he did in the OHL. He's a proven track record of a winner. Uh, when the coaching staff at the Flyers was relieved of their duties, uh, Knobloch actually stayed on. So that's, I think it's kind of telling what they think about him. Uh, he runs their power play. He's been a little bit innovative with his the power play there, which is interesting for me to have a guy who kind of thinks outside the box. Uh, at one time, I think it was for one or two games, he rolled a five-forward power play. So that was kind of interesting to see a guy here who's, like I said, thinks outside the box. So he's young. Uh, he works with younger players. He has a track record of winning. Uh, the Flyers seem to like him. And like I said, he shows some innovation. So for me, it's kind of easy, and I'll go Knobloch here. So uh, that's an easy pick for me. And uh, Mr. Siandra, you can be up first this time. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm of the same you know kind of line of thinking there. I mean, Knobloch is the anti-Housley. I mean, he, he experiments. He tries new things. Um, he definitely has experience with the young guys, which is good. They, you know, both of these guys do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Richardson, is he's got a lot of AHL experience. He's got experience as an AHL assistant. Richardson uh, on this list, right? He almost seems like that really like unsexy safe pick if you're mm-hmm. a franchise like in that position, right? And I, I think Kirk Miller's kind of the same thing too. Sure, uh, you know I agree, and and I remember the same thing you do where he was kind of in the conversation before Housley got fired or hired, <laughs> <laughs> hired rather. <laughs> um, he's done a little jumping around, but uh, you know we I think with the young guys you've got coming up, I think Knobloch's the choice. Bill. I agree. I think uh, I'll just say Luke Richardson getting passed over one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so the next matchup here is very interesting. Uh, I'm kind of I kind of hear both you guys' opinions on Kirk Muller, uh, who is currently the Montreal Canadiens assistant, another Montreal assistant. He's 53 years old. Uh, he was the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals in 2011. Carolina head coach from 2011 to 2014. He was 80, 80, and 27. Uh, he was a Blues assistant in 2014, and then he's been the Canadiens assistant since 2016. Uh, that lines up with Claude Julien getting there, I believe. So Muller is interesting. On the other side here, we have a, a Leafs assistant in DJ Smith, 41 years old. He was the OHL coach there in 2014. He won a Memorial Cup in 2015 with Oshawa, and he's been the Leafs assistant since 2015. Now, he's a guy who could make sense if Babcock goes to take over as a coach, but we know about Sheldon Keefe, so maybe he gets passed up. And, you know, I think he's an interesting guy. I, I've kind of admired DJ Smith from afar uh, for a while now. I think he's maybe he's maybe that guy you haven't heard of that can kind of creep up here in some coach conversations this summer. So I'm, I'm going to go with the lower seed here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go DJ Smith as my pick here. And I guess, Bill, you can go first. Mm, you kind of stole my thunder. <laughs> I Just looking over the resumes, um, not that age is necessarily a factor, but he's – 
almost 20 years younger too. Um, and kind of like you said, if, if Keith makes the jump, maybe we got a revenge story here, come over to Buffalo and hate the Toronto Maple Leafs for spending all that time there and not getting the, the, uh, the um, promotion, I guess you could say. So uh, I like that he made not only made the playoffs, but he's won at least a round when he was an OHL head coach uh, every year. So I am going DJ. All right, Anthony. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, th- what we were talking before the show, I told you there was one guy who, who I didn't know as much about who, I, you know, I, I kind of quote unquote fell in love with their resume. Uh, DJ Smith is is way more impressive than I realized. Um, so last year, the NHLPA uh, took a player poll and uh, mm-hmm. every player voted on, you know, who which current assistant should get a shot as a head coach. And he actually got 8.3% of the votes leading everybody else. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. It shows that, you know, obviously his players like him. Uh, he, he's, he's a player's coach. Um, he's been seen as a coach in waiting, you know, basically since he was, he was brought on, um, known as a defensive specialist. And a, another really interesting thing, and I tried to read a couple articles, at least on all these guys, just to get a, a little bit more, you know, insight. Morgan Riley uh, was, was kind of, you know, getting interviewed on him. And this quote kind of stuck out to me. He said, he lets you be young and he lets you make mistakes as you get old, you know, then he kind of, I'm paraphrasing this next part, but he says it basically what amounts to as you get older though, he, he kind of put is a little more strict on you. So I like that. Uh, I, I'm very much a fan of basically everything about this guy who, who I didn't know a whole lot about going into this exercise. Um, on the other end, just to touch on Mueller, he really doesn't do anything for me. Um, again, three years as Carolina's head coach, he was worse than 500, uh, at, you know, if you count overtime losses. Right, so, right. Uh, not, nothing inspiring about him for me, at least. Uh, he's done a lot of jumping around. I, I think Smith is your, your knockout winner here. All right, so we are at the one seed versus the three seed, Knobloch versus DJ Smith. And – I'm going to pass on going first here because I've gone first the last few and I kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So, um, Anthony, since you're the guest, I'm going to let you go first this time uh, between Nablock and Smith, who you would who you would go with here. This was the toughest one for me, I think, um, it, it, in, until we get to the final four. Uh, there, there, was, there was another tough matchup. But, um, yeah, this was tough. I mean, they're, they're, they're both impressive in their own way, right? I mean, I let – they're, they're to me. They're very similar guys who just came up, I guess, to where they are in, in very different ways. Um, uh, I, I wrote. I know who I wrote down, but I, I, it hurts a little bit to say it because I, I maybe it's just kind of confirmation bias. Just everything I'm reading on Smith just makes me like him more. But uh, I'm going to go with Knobloch. I do think he's the stronger candidate. Um, I, I really think you know he's the type of guy who can be ahead of the curve a little bit, which. In a copycat league, I think those are your teams that are most successful. Uh, the teams who try something first, right, and everyone has to kind of catch up. I think from an innovation standpoint, he's your guy in that regard. Um, and, and I like that risk, quote unquote. So, yeah, I'll go with Knobloch. All right. So it's one vote for Knobloch. So, Bill, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? Uh, you can go. All right. So I'll say this Knobloch's been my boy here, right? Um, you know, I've kind of talked him up. He's whenever someone asked me if, uh, who, you know, who are some ideas I always bring up Knobloch, but I think I'm going to go DJ Smith here (laughs) and here's why (laughs) a lot of the reasons because of what Anthony brought up, uh, he's praised by a lot of players in Toronto for what he's done with them. And also Smith has been in the NHL since 2015 where Knobloch is only his first year in the NHL. 
So maybe on the Smith side, he has more familiarity playing with, you know, coaching NHL players, being in the league and knowing what it takes to win at this level. Uh, while I like them both, and they might be two of my favorite candidates, uh, to be honest, you got to pick one here. Uh, and I'm going to go DJ Smith and leave the deciding vote down to, uh, to Bill here to make it even ratchet out the pressure on Bill a little bit here. You're going to make it easy. <laughs> um, because I, I was actually going to go DJ Smith, but I thought it was just going to be a null and void vote. But mm-hmm, mm, things got interesting. I mean, now like it's interesting. It's it's funny because you said he he was with McDavid. He was with the Brit, who I know you shed a tear every time he scores up in Chicago. Yep. Um, because we could have had him, and I agreed with you at the time. Smith, I mean, the players' coach thing is is interesting. It's I, I love that he's it's kind of like another anti Housley where he lets kids be kids, but as soon as you grow up, you better shape up. Yep. Uh, whereas we've seen the opposite for the entire year where guys who are older just get to play because they are older. Um, but again, with Knobloch, I, I really think as a team like the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, like it or not, you got to be ahead of the curve. If, if you're going to be a team that's good, as as unfortunately as we've seen the last what, eight years now, nine years, um, even with 50% of the teams making it, you got you to gotta be better than half of them still as dumb as it sounds but so you kind of got to be above the curve and i'm talking and still not making a decision here <laughs> so i think i'm gonna go let's uh chad pull the bait and switch i think i'm gonna make him live to regret it i'm gonna go dj smith oh all right all right dj smith another upside here another upset but i like dj smith i i think i, I think i said i think he's a low-key guy low-key I think, uh, Smith. I think if these guys weren't in the same region, they probably could have made a Final Four appearance. I agree. I do agree with that. All right, moving on to the world bracket, world region, world. and then we're into our Final Four here. So we'll start with the 1-4 matchup, which would be probably pretty easy here. Uh, I don't know what's his guy's name. Ricard? Rickard? Rickard Gromberg, who is the – uh, head coach of the Swedish national team. He's probably going to be the first, I think the first European coach ever, uh, head coach or something like that. Anyways, he's the uh, Sweden national team head coach. That's what it is. 50 years old. He doesn't have a job right now, probably because people are assuming that he's going to come over to the NHL. You know, he fits the Sabres. Sabres have a lot of Swedes, so that, that could make sense. And the number four guy here uh, is Bob Hartley, who we talked, again, another guy we talked about last time with Hobsley. Uh, Latvia national team head coach, head coach of the Avalanche Thrashers and Flames, 2015 Jack Adams Award winner, and he was fired the next year. Uh, <laughs> six division titles, one cup, and he also won an MLA championship in 2012, which is in the Swiss League with Zurich. Um, I'm going to go Gromberg here because I think he's the better coach of the two, and also all the sw- uh, Swedish players that the Sabres have in their system and in the NHL right now. Uh, I kind of think this that makes the most sense, most sense in this matchup. So I'm going to go Gronborg, and I will pass it to you, Anthony, to go first before Bill this time. All right. Um, yeah, I'm also going to go Gronborg. Um, you know, I was reading an interview with him on Sportsnet, and uh, he's a big proponent of adapting his system to his players. It was something that actually in a couple interviews I read with him, he mentioned – he made almost a point to go out of his way to mention you adapt your system to the players and not the other way around, hmm. um, which, which I, I kind of liked. I, I like that, you know, he feels he can 
you know, take a roster and, and optimize it, which is something we've talked about ad nauseum. Housley has the inability to do. Um, he also believes in, which was which was an interesting thing. Cause I, I've obviously heard, you know, the, the new theory of you roll three lines, scoring lines minimum. He believes you should be rolling four lines with a scoring threat on all four of your lines, which was, again, completely anti-Housley, uh, where he's stacked all of his scoring talent on one line. So... Uh, he's he's almost of the same ilk of Knobloch in the sense that he's an innovator. He's he seems to be at least attempting to be ahead of the curve. Uh, but on, on the other end, again, Tippett is a little bit like a it's almost like a Jacques Martin situation for me. Like, yeah, he's had some success, but he's got the same tendency as Martin or as um, Boucher rather to uh, start really hot and then completely peter off, uh, which happened in Dallas and then again in Phoenix. So uh, I'm also going to go with Gronberg. Bill. Yeah, I mean, I honestly had the Sportsnet article up too, and it's actually a really good one. Uh, he says a lot of good things, and if you notice, his picture is the 2016 IIHF World Junior Championships, and who's standing there but one Alex Nylander mm-hmm. right in front, and your boy Pedersen. So, uh, yeah, I think I think this one's a clean sweep, Gronberg. All right, very good. By the way, if you guys are interested, uh, I was while you were talking, I was quickly looking at the time on ice from this game. And uh, Marco Scandella played a little over a minute more overall than Rasmus Dahlin. And Marco Scandella played nearly almost three and a half minutes more at five on five. I think so. Romberg would play him Scandella more than Dahlin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would Again. pretend like he couldn't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, perfect time for the coach conversation here. All right. Rickard Gromberg wins that matchup. So this is going to be another interesting one. So we have Ralph Kruger here. It was a late ad. Uh, he was the head coach of the 2016 uh, Team Europe that went to the finals against Canada. That eventually ah. lost, but that, that was the coach. Right now it's interesting. He's uh, he's actually like the president or something for uh, a soccer team in Europe. <laughs> so he's not even coaching or any NHL hockey coaching right now. But nonetheless, he's had some coaching experience in his past. He was a coach of the others at one point, I think only for a season, but uh, he does have that in his past. He's His name's been out there the last year or so as a coaching candidate. And against him is former player, 40-year-old Marco Sturm, who was the head coach of the German national team that won silver at the Olympics last year. And he currently, uh, in November, was hired by the Kings as an assistant coach when they let go of John Stevens. So maybe he's in line to take that job in Los Angeles. But he is an up-and-coming name in the business. So Marco Sturm and Ralph Kruger, I'm going to pass going first. I'm going to let Bill go first this time because I'm not sure he's gone first yet. So Bill, Kruger, and Sturm. Hmm. I think this is a tough one just because, honestly, I don't know like a ton about either of them coaching-wise. Obviously, Sturm has his long NHL career, but um... – this one for me is tough. Not they, neither of them really have a lot. I mean, you got the two World Junior Championships, Edmonton Oilers too. That's a little scary. Uh, I'm gonna go Marco Stern. Okay, uh, Anthony. Yeah, this one was interesting. You've got almost polar opposite types of guys. I mean, um, Kruger's earned his nickname as the most interesting man in the world, which uh, Paul Maurice gave him during the. Uh, I forget which international event, to be honest with you, but uh, it was one of the articles I was reading about him. I, I My concern about him 
and like you said, he's he's uh, an executive with Fulham, I believe, of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also on the World Economic Council, or, or sorry, I forget <laughs> the exact name of it. Interesting. He's got his hand in a lot of pots, and I feel like this with any NHL team, really, but the Sabre situation, like you kind of it almost needs your undivided attention, right? And and Sturm is just he's a prototypical overachiever um but he, he's he's kind of done it obviously the more traditional way he's younger um i, I i'm intrigued more by kruger for sure because he's just so damn interesting i mean he's a, <laughs> he's a best-selling author i mean he's he's uh, one of the things i was reading is funny that they his first board meeting with fulham where a lot of the other board members were like what the fuck is this guy doing here you know what i mean he's <laughs> He got, he was like, you know, they were tossing around ideas and his energy. He was getting so excited about the ideas they were tossing out. He had to stop and do some push ups to like burn off energy because he was just getting too amped up. <laughs> like, Who is this guy? <laughs> um, he's eccentric. He's fun. He's interesting. But I got to go with Sturm just because I'm afraid this guy's a sociopath. <laughs> well, I kind of guessed on my pick, but now I feel really good about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is really, I don't know any of that. That is yeah, I'm gonna go Sturmer because I'm afraid he's a psycho. I might freak out like on Dwayne if he gets too excited one game or something. Imagine if he was coaching this year, he'd just be doing push ups on the bench all season. <laughs> just punches Casey Nelson in the face. <laughs> he'd be fighting wrist all like at center ice about his turnovers or something. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna go Marco Sturm. I was gonna go Sturm anyways, but I, I think that kind of pushed me over the edge there. So I'm definitely gonna go Sturm. Uh, all right, so Rickard Gromberg against Marco Sturm, one um, three matchup here. This is interesting. I'm um, man, that that Swedish tie with Gromberg, and I know Bottero likes his Swedes. You know, he's big on the European SHL players he brings over. Uh, but I'm gonna go Sturm here. I think I'm gonna go Sturm. Uh, I crazy. <laughs> I, I I like something about him that I think attracts me to him i don't know what it is maybe it's too early but i don't know what it is it's something about him i, I don't know it's just that thing, like, you know like the thing you, you, like when they say you have to go get, if that's your guy go get your guy i feel like you're in the world region he's my guy out of this bracket so i don't know i really don't have a great reason why but i'm, I'm gonna go sturm here so uh bill i know where you're gonna go probably since you called me crazy so i'll, I'll, I'll pass to you next <laughs> call me next just because uh <laughs> The tiebreaker here, uh, and I feel like it might go the other way, but uh, I'm gonna go Groundberg. I mean, just reading this article, he says a lot of the right things. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like Anthony was saying, that all the coaches know their X's and O's, but how do you get the players to grow in that environment? That's the biggest key. Like, how do you communicate with them? And I think like it's really been part of the Sabres' problem for the last at least two coaches, if not forever. Um, I, I think they just the. the Every coach that you bring in, bring in here knows what he wants to do and how to do it, but I feel like there just hasn't been a guy to be able to get through to the players, um, and I think he might be um, the guy that would be able to do it. So I'm going Grabber. Okay, Anthony, you're the tiebreaker. Big matchup. Yeah, um, <clears throat> kind of kind of the same logic you used. I'm, I'm going and getting my guy, and it's unfortunately not your guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, is my favorite guy out of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Bill was just a you know saying, I mean the the, the his his um, focus on being adaptive and not reactive, I guess is how I want to say that mm-hmm. is what really intrigues me about him. Um, I like his his philosophies on talent distribution. 
everything he says, you know, in every interview I've read, at least makes me believe more and more that he's one of the, you know, the smartest guys and, and he's got a plan. I love Marco Sturm. I, th- I think he's, you know, you're almost in a DJ Smith, uh, Knobloch situation where, um, you, you can't really pick a bad coach to advance. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, what he did with the German national team is really impressive. I just, and I know Gromberg doesn't obviously have NHL experience, but I'm leaning toward experience plus innovation. I, I think he kind of checks all those boxes for me. So I'm going with Gromberg. He actually, right. the, the quote I was talking about, he ends it by saying that's what he's intrigued about. It's how you develop the players. I think that would, uh, make Botchel's heart speed up a little bit. Sure. All right, guys. Well, thanks to make you look better. I appreciate it. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the final four is set. We have one matchup, Joel Quenville against Chris Taylor, and then we have DJ Smith against Rickard Gronberg. Where do we want to go first here? Maybe maybe we stick with the Gronberg matchup. That's what we're talking about. So yeah. the 1-3 here, Gronberg and DJ Smith. Uh Man, I don't know. It's it's hard. Um, I'm going to defer. I don't know. I don't know. Who wants to go first? I'm going to defer. Either any of you want to go first? I'm just going to be in the situation Bill was with, with Knobloch and Smith trying to talk <laughs> into a conclusion. Man, that, that's, that's such a tough one, right? I mean, I think we've all kind of talked ourselves into loving Smith maybe more than we did when the show started, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Um you're you're weighing two options, right? You're you're weighing a guy with the NHL experience who's kind of come up in the traditional way with a respectable organization. He's kind of multifaceted, and and you're talking about a guy who is a complete wild card. But everything you know, what you read that he's about is just so intriguing. Um, I, I, one thing that we kind of started off a precedent with that, that maybe I mean didn't apply it again until now is what would Botterill do? I believe. Oh God, he loves Swedes, though. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I I think he would. I, I think he would. Def- mm. uh, I, I thought I could talk myself into this. I don't, I'm going Gromberg. I'm going Gromberg. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bill, Bill you want to go next year? Um, if you want me to take the photo of it for you. Okay, then. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess we have Bill's answer. Uh, honestly, I think I was going to lean Gromberg too. As much as I like DJ Smith, I, I think. Even though I went Sturm before, I think Gronberg has a lot of innovation and is an interesting yeah. guy. Uh, and I'd rather be at the forefront of the team that wants to bring in the innovative guy who's different and yeah, kind of going with the retread and all that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Bringing in the retread, but you're also – or not bringing in the retread. Like you said in the beginning, you know, first European coach since 2001, what a better team to do it than a guy that's, you know, I mean, your best player right now arguably is a sweet. And he's going to be for quite some time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that Botterill, you know, I think we've all kind of talked ourselves into the fact that Botterill, you know, is an innovator or at least, you know, at his core, he he's innovative. And you would hope that Gromberg would be the guy who appeals to him. Right. If that's really true. Right. Because um, he's, I mean, shit, aside from the crazy guy uh, from the EPL, uh, Gromberg is, you know, your, your most, experimental guy maybe so yeah I, I would hope he'd be intrigued by him all right so gromberg is in to the finals and now i was gonna get really interesting here joel quenville and chris taylor um i'm gonna pull out my card so i'm gonna go first i'm gonna pull out my card uh the one i was holding on quenville i as much 
as Quenville has the cups, has the experience, uh, has everything in his background, uh, for me personally, I don't think he's the guy, uh, at least for this team. You know, I, I think he fits better with a veteran team, maybe like St. Louis, uh, although I don't think Craig Berube is going to go anywhere now. But maybe like the Flyers or, you know, that Minnesota job opens, maybe that's, you know, a spot for him. But uh, I'm going to go Chris Taylor here for that reason because I don't think if it was up to me, uh, I would look a different direction than going Quenville. I, I think, you know, he really, I don't want to say struggled, but he really didn't, I don't think, utilize the younger players in Chicago properly. And I can understand that, you know, Duncan Keith and Seabrook, you know, won your championships. Those are going to be your guys. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to definitely go Chris Taylor here and let you two uh, duke it out. So whoever wants to go first, speak up here or forever hold your peace. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Quinville. I mean, so the reason being the Pagulas are going to be the wild card here, right? And we know Terry Pagula tried to go after the big fish and Mike Babcock. He got spurned. That that was obviously the guy he wanted when they hired Bilesma, rather. Uh, Housley was the probably most attractive candidate remaining after, you know, Botterill got hired. I think that he wants a proven winner. I think he's done waiting. I mean, as an owner, right, when you make that big promise in 2010 or 2011, right, we're going to win multiple cups or we're going to win it once and win it again. You need a guy kind of to, to put your confidence in that, that he's been there and can do it. I think Botterill would lean toward Taylor, but if, if Terry Pagula has got a heavy, you know, a heavy hand in this decision, I, 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 just think he'd be blinded by the bling bling with, with Quinville a little bit, right? I mean, he's blinded by his ring. So, um, yeah, I think Quinville's your guy between the two. I'm kind of glad you ended there because I, if I'm being honest, and I think that might be the problem. If Botra would lean Chris Taylor here and Botra's the hockey guy and Pagula steps in and goes, nope, I want the guy who's won cups, who's been there, done that. But kind of like we were talking about before, it's kind of the, he is the easy choice. He's the retread. And, like, don't get me wrong, when when the Sabres were bad, I found myself a quote-unquote West Coast team. When they drafted Patrick Kane, I followed the Blackhawks pretty much every season from there on out and enjoyed the cup runs that they made, and, and it was a lot of fun. But I just – don't. they did a lot of good things, too. With They were very good with puck um, control. Uh, they did a lot of times where, Chad, like we talk about all the time, we get excited when Gergensons, instead of dumping it, turns around and actually passes it back to the defense so the team can change and keep possession of the puck. Uh, Blackhawks were the like definition of that. Like if you wanted to see that, you went and you watched the Blackhawks in their in their prime. And I, I think though, what scares me is kind of what Chad was saying is, as the team got older and his star players weren't the young players anymore, he stuck with his guys, and that scares the crap out of me. Because that to me means, say Ristolainen doesn't get moved, he comes in here and he's throwing Ristolainen out there because he's a Seabrook. And then Darlene's your Duncan Keith, which obviously isn't a bad thing, but it just, I just, I, I get nervous that everyone in Sabres Twitter seems to think that he's the guy and he's the guy you want to go get. And I just don't know that that's the case. I'm going to Chris Taylor here. So can I, can I ask you a question? I, and and I, I, I totally get where you're coming from for that. And, and I have, I have the, you know, I had the kind of same line of thinking, 
but when I'm looking at the Sabres core, it's young. I mean, it's really young. I mean, we're sliding, you know, aside, you've got Reinhardt, Eichel, Darlene, you know, those are your three. Skinner's not old. So I wonder if that is even, is, is as much of a factor. And if, if really this is a similar situation to when he took over in Chicago, where he's got a young core and would I trade his last three years favoring veterans for seven years of being awesome with a young core. Yeah. <laughs> all day. So like I, I, I share that apprehension, but if Botterill is littering the team with underperforming veterans, well, you've got a bigger problem on your hands than Quinville's, you know, propensity to, to favor the older players. So I guess that's why I lean that way. If you're just giving him a team of your, of younger guys, he really can't. And is it so bad that he'd be favoring Eichel, Skinner, Reinhardt, Darlene? Probably not. So yeah, I, and and I get the logic, and I, I think it's you know it, it, we're again we're trying to figure out what Botterill would do here that that weighs into this, and I think you know if it's up to Botterill, he brought Taylor in for a reason. But yeah, I I, I wonder I wonder how much the the uh, young you know mishandling of young guys has been overblown, maybe to an extent, and if we're letting that get in the way of what he did. That's a really good point. I just I wonder too. Was it did, did they made the Strom trade after he got fired? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's been. Doing really well since. I don't know. It's just, the whole. I, go ahead, Chad. No, I, I as in mean, Anthony brings up good points. You know, with the whole younger core that's here now. Uh, I'm not saying I would be upset. Just no, no, I'm not either. It's just, and it's not. It's hard for me because it's, it's not even that. It's when he. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm trying to word my. <laughs> I'm trying to carefully pick my words here because I'm going to tell you how great his teams were when he won cups. But I mean, of course he had a great team, but uh, you know, I, I feel they like were, when those players too. Yeah. You, you got rid of guys that were, you know, they, they were fourth line players on the Blackhawks and they went on to be second line players elsewhere. Right. But, I mean, just think of like Andrew Ladd. Yep. He was, he was a nobody for the, I'm not nobody, but he was, he was just a grinder for the Blackhawks and he goes in Montreal, try to make him a second line winger. Yep. It's just I feel like the the Blackhawks were they're a very deep team and that that at least is one thing that we definitely are not. Yeah, it it's tough because it really I don't know. It's just I can't believe again I know that veteran thing is kind of one thing that again I think that's that's the type of team that fits him the best. Uh, and don't get me wrong, if they hire Quindle, I'm not mad about it by any means. Right. Uh, I just think that. I think the team that best fits him. I think that was the case when he was initially fired too. I thought all along that it was an obvious move for St. Louis to move on from Mike Yellick to did and then to bring in Quenville. I think that that would have easily fit and would have been good for that team who's full of veteran players who looks like they just needed a new coach or a new voice to get them going and heading in the right direction. And you know that they have enough talent there to compete for a championship. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Anthony definitely what what he said. And the point you brought up made me reconsider, but uh, he's right. But I, I would say also to Anthony's point, I think where the team is now, Botchel has so much work to do. Right. And if he doesn't do it right, I mean, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter who you bring it in, but because it does, like you can always have your coach play well, as Barry Trotz with the Islanders, right? Yeah. With the Islanders. So I, not that it doesn't matter, but I, if he doesn't overhaul this team or get the kids up and they're actually ready to play and be those depth players. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's, it's You're in a tough spot. But to your point, you've got – I mean, you have superstars. And we talked about that when I at the podcast when I was saying you should trade two of your first – three first-round picks. The team's there. The core's there. Right, right. I mean, I, I think all along, I mean, for a lot of us maybe, um, 
you know, this might have been, I think the final four, the way it played out, maybe these final three, uh, if you include Quenville, was kind of, you know, I guess you could say maybe there are three guys going into this looking at this bracket. So I think you're going to make tough decisions at this point. Uh, but we voted, and Taylor was the one who advanced. So we're gonna, I think we're going to stick with that before I change my mind here and <laughs> go back the other way because I don't, I don't want to go back to what I said. I got to stick, I got to stick to my feeling and my gut. You know what I'm saying? So I got to stick to it. I should have called them all up and seen if they could have done uh, podcast interviews. <laughs> right, we should. <laughs> like doing this, I feel like we should like reach out to more people. Like right now on Twitter, like okay, we're having a debate between Taylor and Glenville. Somebody help to give us some more votes here. So, uh, Glenville, uh, what's your feelings on Lawrence Pilot? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the first question. You get one question. That's interviews. it. Yep, you get <laughs> one question. Kronberg's gonna nail it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, here we are. Our finals matchup. Chris Taylor. This one's tough too. Rickard Gromberg. Uh yeah, I, I don't I don't know who wants to go first here because I certainly don't. <laughs> well, I'll go first since since Taylor definitely was not my you know my guy here. So this has been a been a made an easier decision for me. Okay. <laughs> Between the two, I, I go with Gromberg all day long. Um Taylor hasn't proven a damn thing other than Botterill likes him yeah, enough to I make know. him in his, his AHL coach. Yeah. It, that, that's that's really end of list for me. I mean, yeah, he's having a strong year with a really strong roster in Rochester. I mean, like I said, it's gonna it's gonna matter what they do in the Calder Cup playoffs. But if you're talking about another first round exit, man, he's lost basically all of his appeal for me. Um, yeah, I got to go Gromberg at this point because, because I, I, to be perfectly honest, I only had Taylor advancing one round. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I got, I got to go with him. All right, but I'm gonna let you go next year. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't know. I, I wish there was, there's kind of more on Gromberg, more than at least that I've seen, more than just this article. But I mean, just reading this, he just he hits all the right notes. And if you're going to bring in, you know, potentially more Swedes, I just, I think I'm going groundwork too. I just, I would like to see kind of, it's just not the same thing. Bring in a different guy from a different line of thinking. Uh, he's seen different stuff, but, but again, to Anthony's point, he's, he's done a little bit more uh, than Taylor has. And just, I like to see kind of what he'd be able to do with this team. And I, and I really like the idea of him being able to try different things. And, and he even says uh, something about like making in-game adjustments and not just kind of rolling with the same four lines, like how does all the time. And so I would really like to see somebody that would come in and just be engaged during the game and, and thinking how can, you know, if this isn't working, let's change it up and make it something different uh, to see if something else works. And, um, yeah, like you said, just rolling the, the rolling four lines. I think it right away. It, it's breaking up that top unit, and it's just starting off in the right direction. So to eliminate any thought from our listeners that there might have been some drama here, there probably wouldn't have been. Uh, I was leaning Gromberg too. Uh, as much as I like Taylor, as uh, much as I think he is the easy solution, I guess you could say, or the least painful explanation that Bottle can make about making a change in his organization. I'm with Anthony. I, if you're making me pick right now, I pick Gromberg. Um, my answer might change after the AHL playoffs, but mm-hmm. I feel like first I need to see if he went around with that team. Um, 
I need him to prove the ability to not only win the regular season, but also be able to coach in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he lost to Sheldon Keefe, who's on here um, two years ago. Uh, he lost to Grulu, who's the Syracuse coach on the Tampa Bay system uh, last year. Those are two good AHL coaches. So, you know, I, I need him to show the ability to coach a team uh, to at least been around. And then I'll give real consideration to bringing him up. So, Ironically and interestingly, uh, this would have been a clean sweep for uh, for Gromberg here, which is even more interesting that I go Gromberg when I went Sturm back in the original in the original meeting a few rounds back. But uh, it's all about matchups. It's all about matchups. That's right. It's all about matchups, baby. It's all about the fit to get you in there. So, so I will say, I'm curious, Anthony, if it was Quenville versus Gromberg, who are you going? Ooh. Mm. Because I feel like maybe that's the matchup. Oh man, that's that's crazy. From a from a bottle analysis, like what would he do standpoint, and from my own personal preference, it's it's insanely hard. Um, oof, I, I think Botterill would lean Gronberg. Um, shoot, man, I, I gotta go with the guy with three Stanley Cups. I'm sorry, I'd have to go Quinville. <laughs> Even though Gronberg is is far and away the most intriguing guy uh, on this list to me, Bill, who would you have went with between those two? I don't, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like part of me has just seen so much clamoring for Quenville. It's kind of like turned me off of it. <laughs> I might be the same spot you are too. I, I think so right? too. And I, th- I think honestly, the He's reason too I'm mainstream, Taylor, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, not not even just. It's just I feel like everybody who. I mean, he's just the easy choice right now. Like, he's the coach that doesn't have a job. And like you said, he's got three Stanley Cups, so everybody's clamoring for that guy. And I just I, – I want to be the one to take a step back and say, like, is it truly the right move if Housley goes? And like you said, I mean, you got you made a whole bracket of guys that are could be available or are available. I would just hope that due diligence is done and it's the right guy's pick. Yeah, no, it does. For me, I uh... – I would go Gramberg, by the way. <laughs> I think I would have too, and I think I'm the same spot that Bill is. Uh, I mean, I mean, heck, I picked Taylor over him in the last round. So I'm gonna say, yeah, um, right or wrong, I just I yeah. feel like that's kind of where I am right now. Right. You know, I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to be Mike Harrington here and tell you that uh, he would never consider coming or something that's not true. Uh, but I think if he's given other opportunities of all the teams that open, and um, I mean, there might be some teams that open up here if their teams don't do good in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think we line up a few teams here. I think they make more sense in the Sabres, especially when you see a team who had 62 points last year. Uh, and then, what, this year they're going to be maybe 80 points. And I mean, if you look at the second half of the season, how much of a mess that is. Yeah. And I mean, I know you have Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin, so that definitely helps you. And I think, I think if anything, you know, that gets Quenville to take your call if you call because you have those two players and Sam Reinhardt and hopefully – Jeff Skinner, which I have a Skinner question for you guys before we hang up. But uh, that's actually that's a fantastic point. You know, we 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 really didn't weigh in on would that guy is this an appealing situation for that guy? We, I mean, we, right. we did a little bit with the younger guys, the AHL coaches. You know, saying, "Oh, they've got experience with youth; they're a good fit." That, that's a fantastic point. I, I think Gronberg is it would be two feet in on on coaching a future national hero. You know, right. I mean, for right. Sweden, um, that's a that's a really wonderful point. Hmm. Who he's coached before, by the Actually, way. He's coached him before. Yeah, right. No, and Andy Lander, like Bill brought up uh, yep. a couple of moments yeah. ago. So, mm, that's a tough one. And even, even that, I think, again, like I should, I'll tweet out this article after because it is good. 
he even says like the only challenge left for him is the national hockey league to be honest that's so, so like, cool. To, he's if, so cool. If you, right? <laughs> like, if you were to bring him in, like he sees it as his only challenge left, and then you're giving him a team with like really good Swedes on it too. So it's not like he's coming in to, you know, a bunch of Canadian kids or, or whatever, you know, non-Swedes where he's kind of got to earn the respect or uh, kind of like, you know, win the room over at first. I, I think if you're bringing a guy like that in, I think Darlene just kind of does the work for him. And because the kid I – mean, look at the year he's had, you, you know, he's got respect in the room. All right. I'm sold. You guys win. Yeah. I mean, Gromberg's honestly yeah, never yeah. guy I, th- I thought about recently. Um, until I kind of did research for this. I'm like, Oh yeah, Gromberg. So that kind of, uh, that is really interesting. And I think Bill brings up a good point with that too. Yeah. So there it is. Rickard Gromberg is our winner here. Uh, beats Chris Taylor in the finals. Uh, Taylor, Quinville, Smith and Gromberg were your final four. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, I guess quickly, I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, first one, Bill, I'll start with you. Honest assessment, honest opinion. Does Phil Housley get fired after the season? I don't see how he doesn't, honestly. Because, I, I mean, you and I have talked to this a ton. And I, I think that it really goes back to the point of when this slip started to happen. You and I said there would have to be a major collapse for Housley to go. And it's been that and more. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how much worse you could do uh, than he's done from in the second half of the season. And I just, I don't know how you sell it to fans. And if you're having a hard time selling it to fans, how you might sell it to players of bringing him back for another year. Anthony. Hmm. Um, you know, it's so interesting. And, and this is something about Otterell that, some of his moves confirm this, uh, pre, you know, this notion, and, and others don't of of his his perceived, you know, great patience. Just how surprised he seemed when he was asked that question a few weeks ago: "Is is Phil Housley's you know job on the line?" Just kind of, you can just read his body language a little, like, "Wait, what? No, why would it be?" Like, and that's terrifying, first of all. But either he he acted that out really well to kind of like draw attention away from the question, or he really does see progress, which I certainly don't see enough to keep him. Um, I still think there's a better than 50% chance he's back and it's gross and I hate it, but it's just based on what I know and, and it kind of just how Botterill answered that question. Phil Housley seemingly is not worried at all. Um, What's the record been since you said that? Though? God, so bad. So really bad. bad. Really yeah. bad. No, I know that that could change things, but but would it? If he is as patient as they say, you know, as as is conceived, then maybe it wouldn't change things. Maybe you know, what I mean, he knows that the team's not ready, and he's not going to. I don't know, man. Did he? The see, one thing did he, I'll say did he really is, see this as a throwaway year. Here's the one thing that I'll, I'll say that maybe maybe I'm reading too much into because I want to hope um, that there are signs of him changing his mind. Is the interview did on WGR when he pointed out things like that wrist line into play less and that Reinhardt gets his own line and the coach refuses to do neither. He went on the record and he said that, that he believes that should happen. Hasn't happened yet. We're still waiting for those two things to happen. That's a great point. The other thing is, uh, listen to his WGR interview today, uh, and even when he's talked in the past, uh, I think NHL.com did a story too during the GM meetings. He's really, when he's ever been asked about the coach, he kind of dances around it a little bit. Uh, he doesn't, you know, go out of his way to make um, compliments of him. 
Um, hmm. When he was asked a question about the coach with NHL.com, he like completely danced around to talk about like how his team is young and like didn't even mention the coach at all in any of it. And then today he kind of like, you know, talked about lineup decisions, how they're in discussion and they talk about things and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, but he said he was clear, you know, how's he gets final say. So it's really his decision. So while part of me thinks that he just, yeah, this is part of it. Uh, the team's not that good. We'll give him one more year. We'll keep going with this thing. The other part of it, how bad it's got here, um, how these mistakes continually happen and, you know, the lineup decisions, the, even the stuff that bottles brought up, like I said about wrist line and, and uh, Reinhardt, it's, I'm kind of with Bill here where it's getting to the point where it's getting hard to explain the fans or even explain your own team. You know, I'm not saying they hate them like they hated Biles by any means, but just to kind of come out here and say, yeah, we're going to bring him back. Because for me, if he comes back and Bottle says that at the end of the season in his press conference, he's definitely coming back. I don't care what moves Bottle makes in the offseason. For me, there's going to be a cloud over it. Because every move he makes, I'm going to be like, okay, how is how is he going to mess this up? That, that's what's going to initially go in my head. Right or wrong, that's what's going to happen for me. You're, if you do that, you're confirming that this year was okay. And in right. no way, shape, or form should this year yeah. be okay. No. no and good. again, like we said, if it went differently throughout the season and they kind of ended close to where, I mean, even 80 seems low, but where they were, like maybe it's different, but you just cannot have a collapse like this. and just like – shove it under the rug and be like, all right, new year, boys, let's, let's pick it up and do it again. Let's and, not have a collapse this time. Yeah. One, one last point I want to bring up that I thought was interesting and it could be read kind of either way when bottle, when they kind of asked him why he didn't make a move sooner, or it was a question along the lines. And he said, well, even during the 10 game streak, we knew that we were getting lucky. Right. And I wonder if he actually is looking at that uh, a little bit more mathematically, right? Where, where he's realizing, hey, without that, we'd be like a 75, 72, whatever it is, point team. Like, we'd be in really rough shape. Is that enough? So if he's looking at it that way, maybe he changes his mind. Uh, Maybe he felt the Sabres weren't truly out of it when he first talked about Housley. Why would his job be on the line? We're still kind of in the thick of things. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I still, I still think it's 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 close to fifty fifty. But if I had, if like you gave me a hundred dollars that you had to bet right now, I'd bet he's back. But that it's not like by a lot. What if it was your hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, no, fine. Okay, yeah. If it's, <laughs> I guess that doesn't matter. <laughs> Playing with Chad's money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why you use my hundred bucks? Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know my running theory on this too. Is you know with the Montour trade. Uh, some of the call-ups, right? I kind of, in a way, I talked about this last, Anthony, we talked about this last time we were on a podcast together, uh, where I kind of think that he's maybe giving Howser the rope here at the end to kind of hang himself with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, yeah, if you want to go maybe a little more tin hatty, like sending Pilot down, when you, like, you got to know he's one of your best defenders. Because he's just saying, like, get out of this situation. Yeah. And I'll see you next year. Yeah, I'm going to keep Olofsson down with, the AHL coach I'm developing, keep away from this mess up here. Same thing with Smith, same thing with O'Regan, you know, all that kind of stuff too. Make sure Bill, I don't know if you heard the podcast I was on, I think it was two episodes ago, but you want to talk about Tin Hattie, my fan fiction theory <laughs> of, of, of basically it's, it's an extension of, of Chad's, you know, hypothesis that he's giving Housley enough rope to hang himself. Hang himself. But, well, basically he, he didn't make any moves because he realized Housley was failing and that, you know, 
in in making a move, you might squeak that team into the playoffs despite the coach, and he didn't want that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, how tinheady is it? I I, I really think if you kind of keep him around and he starts off bad, like you're kind of putting nails in your own coffin. I think, I think by moving and we, Chad and I talked about this with Murray and Bilesma. We thought if Murray had the chance to move on from Bilesma, it gives Murray more chance. Like it gives you a longer period of time to, okay, I screw up on the first coach. Give me a second coach and make, let me make a couple moves and fit it to the new coach. And let's see. Uh, and if they truly believe in the GM, it's kind of the same situation here. If you hang on, and he doesn't do well, I think it's a chance that both of you go. But if you mm-hmm. if you make the move, I think it gives the GM a kind of a longer rope. Yeah, he gets a second coach, basically. If he, if he can sell Pagula on the fact that, hey, you know, this guy didn't work out, give me one more guy, then, yeah, I mean, not yeah. hitching your wagon to Housley is, is, a, is a big factor. If, if, if Pagula is willing to say, okay, you get one more guy, and that guy, fee, you know, reasonably gets two years barring an epic collapse, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a great I, point. Yeah, if you bring Housley back and, and things go bad, I think Pagula calls him in and he goes, all right, you were the one that said I'm, you're keeping this guy on. What the hell's going on? Now I think you're both in trouble. Solid point. Solid point. So my last question, uh, we can kind of make it quick, and it's a depressing question. I apologize yeah. for asking. Uh, Anthony, I'll ask you first us, this time. Uh, join us next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, same thing. You have $100 of your money this time. Uh, you have to say yes or no one way or the other. Uh, is Jeff Skinner re-signing with the Buffalo Sabres? Yes. 100%. Unequivocally, 100%? You yes. don't have any worries? That would be... Mm, I mean, I've got worries, but if it's, if I'm betting, oh my God, but that, that'd be such a massive loss if Botterill didn't pull that off. Yep. Oh my God, that'd be such a big loss. I mean, talk about losing confidence if you keep the coach. If you keep the coach and lose Skinner, good <laughs> lord, good luck, man. Good luck winning the coast team. <laughs> Christ, yeah, no, I would bet he's back. He, you, ha- you kind of have to. Bill, what about you? Uh, I'm starting to get more worried than I was whenever we talked about this last, but I'm still in the boat that he does resign. I mean, if honestly, if um, Friedman saying the, the issue right now is term. Right. I can't believe that that would be the issue over dollar amount. That's uh, a big chip. Right. And I, and I think Matt on Twitter has even brought up a good point. It's like, but you don't, we, we're just talking about how Botro could be in trouble next year. Why the hell should he care about eight years from now? Yes. Yes. Like just sign the deal. I yep. like, I, to me, it makes no sense. DMs don't stick around long enough unless they're good, and then you're good, so you don't have to worry about it anyways. Exactly. And Byron's got to realize if he breaks, if he's in place when he breaks this drought, how that's got to buy him like a lot of time, right? Yeah. I don't see how you're doing that next year with Jeff Skinner. And if you flop again, and you've got to go out and find a you know find a left winger, which would be hard enough to do. You already need wingers. You already need top six forwards to add another hole, and then try to make a playoff push when you really almost kind of need at least a push. You need to be in it. Uh, yeah, that's a huge risk for him. I, he's got to right. Yeah, I, I'm at. I was at eighty twenty. He stays. Uh, to be honest, I think I'm down to sixty forty. He stays. Uh, I tell you what. If we get to the end of the season and he doesn't have a contract, I'm going down to 50-50. I, I think that's their deadline. If he gets through this season without a contract, I, mean, I just have myself in Jeff Skinner's shoes. Well, what the hell? Why not at this point? I mean, I'm already right. through the whole season. I don't have a contract. 
I don't know. I'll just wait till July. It doesn't mean I can't resign with the Sabres. Right. What the hell? I'll just wait and see what's out there. Uh, you know, I'll listen to teams that call and see what they'll offer me. You know, and and then at that point, you're <laughs> you're good luck. I mean, and if they only want to give them five or six, I guarantee the team out there is going to give them seven. And yeah, then you're you're out we're of talking about, We're talking about a guy who could be a forty goal scorer, right? I mean, yeah, he's going to write his own check. Yeah, it's kind of making me nervous too because this will be number two. Should have signed Reinhardt to a long term deal. Yeah. Didn't. Now he's eating that. He's going to eat that next year. And now if he's messing this around with Skinner because he wants to mess around with term, just stop. Just sign these guys. Yeah, my other fear too is he lets Skinner walk and how he plays it off is, hey, look, I got Matt Duchesne though. When I don't think that's a – I'm just not a big Matt Duchesne fan. I, I think you're going to get a player two years older that I don't want to say he's not as good as Skinner, but I mean you're going to pay eight – what? He could have got eight for eight from Ottawa and didn't sign that deal. So what? You're going to pay him seven for eight, you know, in the off season. I mean, that's yeah. Espe- you, especially when you know people lose sight of the fact middle stats not going anywhere. So right. yeah, you've got a ridiculously good center spine for for a while, but you've completely sacrificed all of your winger talent. You have yeah. Reinhardt and then Sheary and you switch that's Rodriguez it. to the wing, right? Yeah, because you'd have to at that point then you've got literally nothing. I mean, you've got the guys coming up, and maybe he's really comp- more confident than he's let on about Nylander and Olsen. But, yeah, that's – that's. I don't know if you make that swap, right? Like you said, Duchesne yeah. and Skinner. You can't. No, and, and we've talked about it, too, a ton, where you've got the 2020 plant. You're going to have so much cap space going forward, and then yeah. even with Seattle coming in, it's only going to go up. So I really think you can't worry about it too much now. Like, yeah, Darlene's going to get paid, but, I mean, you're even even that. I mean, you're wasting these cheap years of Darlene. So, I just – you you got to go. I, I think you resign yeah. Skinner, and you have a heck of an offseason, and you go because you got two years. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I don't mean to cut you guys off. My soul's my computer is dying here, so I don't want to – I don't want this podcast to just cut off on its own. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we'll kind of wrap it up here. So, we'll do a little spiel. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stritcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, all places you can find our podcast. Uh, subscribe, rate, share, do everything you got to do. Any comments or any feedback is always appreciated, whether it be good or bad. And yeah, make sure to check out Die with the Blade, where you can find excellent content written by writers like Anthony Siandra and myself. Uh, so make sure to check out Die with the Blade. You can find our podcast there as well. So. Anthony, man, I appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. Good conversation. Uh, perfect timing of how that Sabres game went. Uh, Bill, unfortunately for us, um, I think maybe – I think next week we'll do a little armchair GM for us. Uh, and then after that, unfortunately, I have visions on getting some draft podcasting. Here, so I hope you're ready for that. Uh, I will be. I will be. <laughs> hey, like I said, at least we got to wait till April this time. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do it at Thanksgiving. That, that's a good point. It's a good point. So, uh, Anthony and Bill, I appreciate you guys talking with me. Uh, had a lot of fun. Good episode. I hope the listeners enjoy it. And we'll be back next week for another thrilling episode. Nine games left, folks. Nine hockey games left. Try to enjoy it. You probably won't. Let's pray for what we all want in the offseason. Uh, so we'll talk soon, and thanks for listening. See ya.